0: So here we are, the first Sunday of 2022, the first Sunday of a new year. Now, I've lived long enough to celebrate and experience a few new years in my life, probably about 25 of them or so. And maybe even usually, I noted generating of excitement as people make plans and set goals for the next 365 days. I expect the social media posts and general conversation to circulate around these things. And I remember the days of elaborate parties and looking forward to getting dressed up. So much hope. But I'm wondering, does this year feel a little bit different to anyone? Of course, There were still the usual well-wishes going around. And uh, many of the social media posts, though, were taking a slightly different tone. For example, I saw one on New Year's Eve day, and it said, I still don't know what I'm wearing to the living room. Another post depicted a woman in six different bathrobes, and the caption said, what should I wear New Year's Eve? Other posts celebrated the fact that we even made it through 2021. And I've spoken to a number of people who are just plain lacking in enthusiasm. It's true, we are in Alberta and the bitter cold, the temperatures don't exactly inspire us to go out, do they? And of course, the obvious, we're going into another year of a pandemic where new restrictions have just been announced once again. I can't tell you how many times I've read posts on social media that say things like, I'm not going to make it to midnight this year. A lot of people just seem to be plain tired, don't they? Are you tired? And here's another question. If this by and large is the outward public condition of people, what's going on inside of them? I mean, where are their hearts and souls at? Let's make this just a little bit more personal. Where's your heart and soul at? Where's mine? I mean, it's true. Ultimately, our peace and our joy is not determined by external circumstances. But I want to go it on a limb and suggest that many are going into 2022 feeling a little dry. Some might even feel beyond tired not just in a physical and emotional sense, but in a spiritual sense. Some people are even feeling that they're bordering on dead inside, feeling that God is distant or even absent. And if this is where you find yourself today, I empathize with you. and My heart goes out to you because this is not a fun place to be, but I want to offer you this hope. You are not alone. Aside from the obvious promise of our Maker to never leave us or forsake us, which shan't be underestimated nor minimized, but people throughout history have been through these periods of drought. You might have heard biblical metaphorical language such as wilderness or desert in reference to these kinds of times. And let me tell you, the Israelites, God's chosen people, would certainly be able to relate. However, God has some words for them spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And if these are words in the Bible, it's because there's something for all God's people to learn from them. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 43? And we're going to read verses 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland forget the former things do not dwell on the past taken in context the former things referred to here are all the wonders and great historic past that Israel's experienced, such as the Exodus, where God's children were brought across the Red Sea and delivered from Egyptian captivity. What a miraculous event at the hands of God. The waters were literally parted, as we read in Exodus 14. And this allowed the Israelites to walk on dry ground to safety. Do we remember what happens after that? In Exodus 16, the Israelites end up, end up in a desert place, and the whole community grumbled. Why were they grumbling? Because they were physically hungry. And if we keep reading, we find out this is a testing. The Lord wants to see if they will follow his instructions. Inevitably, they fail. But we find the Lord still provides and brings them through this time in the desert. A time that lasts 40 years. Amazing, isn't it? And so back to this passage in Isaiah. Don't forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Does this mean the Israelites were literally to forget such momentous occasions? No taken with verse 19 this is a prophetic statement that's saying in comparison to the things of the past there is something that shall be so transcendent that these former things are scarcely worth remembering commentator Ellicott says Israel's past will be as nothing compared with the new manifestation manifestation of the power of Jehovah which Isaiah already sees As dawning in the future. This coming time does not mean events such as the Exodus and the subsequent time in the desert should be disregarded. Rather, they will no longer be supreme instances of Jehovah's redeeming power. And then moving to verse 19. Isaiah writes, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This making way is both in a literal and a spiritual sense. It's the orchestration of events that ultimately lead to an even greater event. The redemption of not just the Israelites, but all who have failed to follow God's instructions. All sinners, that means you, that means me, through Jesus Christ. It was his wondrous work of love, going to the cross on our behalf to pay the debt and the penalty for our sins. This is what allowed us to be reconciled to the Father and bought for us the ultimate freedom. What an incredible act of love and mercy. And yet, reconciling us to God is not the end. As believers, we are being sanctified And by sanctified, I mean that we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We are becoming these new creations that reflect the character of God in increasing measure, but there's even more good news for us. God's plan is bigger still. If you happen to remember the last sermon I preached, you might remember me saying the best is yet to come. If you would turn with me to Revelation 25, uh, sorry, 21, verse five. It's just one verse. It says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It's not just people that are being transformed. Everything is being made new all of creation because Jesus is coming again and will complete the work that's already begun. And we can take this promise of newness on good authority because it comes from the throne of God itself. It's one of the few times in the book of Revelation where we see this clearly happen. But I want to emphasize that this verse does not say I will make everything new it says I am making and this is an important distinction because I will would imply and indicate that something is happening in the future a future event at a later date in time the second coming of Christ is indeed a future event but the process of creating and becoming new has already begun So while there's allowance for sin and destruction in this current age, know that the things we endure will not be wasted. God's plan has not yet reached completion, but he is sovereign and his words, as this verse indicates, are trustworthy and true. So take heart and be assured that a day is coming that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things is passing away. That being said, what does this all say to us as we enter a new year? And what does it say especially to those who find themselves in a wilderness or desert place today? A good question to ask is, what is God up to? I was reading an article in Today's Christian Woman penned by Carolyn Ahrens. And it was entitled, Gifts of the Wilderness. And this is where I want to camp out for a bit. Because though it's hard to wrap our minds around, these wilderness and desert experiences in life are usually a place the Spirit leads us. And they do hold much in the way of gifts. In this article, Aaron cites a theology professor by the name of Ross Hastings. And he says, Led by the spirit into the wilderness, is a phrase that reminds him of the day that his parents led him by the hand to a hospital ward for a tonsillectomy. then adds, this kind of love that wants us to be well is not the kind of love that always leads us somewhere easy. As Christians, part of being well means It means hearing from God and then acting accordingly it means we take time to seek God through his word and prayer we take make it a priority to seek his face his direction and listen to his voice this is what it means to be obedient and as we do these things God transforms us through the work of the Holy Spirit and this transportation, transformation is a necessary part of spiritual wellness. And this is one of the gifts of the wilderness. But perhaps more than ever, we have a problem in this day and age. John ten twenty seven says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. There should be, there we go. But do we always? Of course, we know the answer. As the cartoon shows, we get distracted by the competing voices of the world. Those voices divert our attention and lead us away from God. Sometimes, even if we want to, these things can be nearly impossible to avoid. However, in the wilderness, these distractions are often stripped away. Maybe being in the wilderness means we experience and endure unwanted and painful circumstances. But those things might be the very things that bring us to the end of ourselves. They strip us of our pride and bring about an awareness of our vulnerability. With nowhere else to turn, we might be led to ask big, hard questions. We might even wrestle with God. Believe it or not, God's response to this is good he's big enough he can handle it we might ask questions like God if you are so good then why do you allow such pain and suffering God are you even there you seem so silent and distant or like the very words of Christ God why have thou forsaken me you see The wilderness often drives us to truly seek His face and ultimately arrive at the truth that we are utterly and completely dependent on Him. When we humbly acknowledge and submit to this truth, you know what happens? We're drawn into a deeper, more authentic, more trusting relationship with Him. There's nothing better than finding that His promise to never leave us or forsake us is ironclad. And as we become more deeply rooted in such truths, we find that our faith and our confidence in him becomes unshakable. As a result of the wilderness, this is another of the gifts that can be ours. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for desert or wilderness means the place of speaking. Indeed, this is the case. But which voice are we going to listen to? The one that lies and leads us away from God, the one that keeps our relationship with him weak and leaves us the same unchanged, unmoved people, or are we going to listen to the voice of truth that inspires change, leads to wholeness and makes us well, the voice that leads us into deeper relationship with him and to fullness of life in God. Carolyn Ahrens also notes Perhaps there is a related gift of self-understanding in the wilderness for us. Typically, it's almost impossible to define ourselves in terms of how we measure up to others. Might the isolation of the wilderness be an invitation to extract ourselves from the elaborate networks of comparison? I believe there's definitely some truth to this. And I confess, it's something I personally have struggled with. But in the wilderness, when I am isolated and I'm on my own before God, I realize that the measuring sticks I sometimes use are the measuring sticks of human beings. These are not the same criterion God uses when he looks at us though. In 1 Samuel 16:7, it says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Think about this in the context of COVID. I've heard people equate COVID to a wilderness experience, haven't you? I mean, hasn't it stretched us, isolated us? Hasn't it even pitted us against one another in some respects? It most certainly is a time of trial and testing. I don't think anyone would dispute that. And here's a personal discovery. During COVID, when we've had these periods of online instruction, for those of us who have kids, I have one child that requires a little bit of extra attention. And if I compare myself with other moms or listen to the world, it's easy to let guilt take over as I realize I haven't been able to keep up with all my child's assignments or every detail of every announcement. I'm a part of a parent group for that class through Facebook Messenger. And I want to be clear that the parents in that group are people I deeply cherish and respect. But every now and then, I check in, and I see the one parent asking particulars of an assignment, and my eyes like almost bug out, and I kind of like gasp, realizing I had no idea what they're even talking about. But there's this one amazing mom who always seems to be in the know, who always seems to have the answers. And if I compare myself to her, I feel like I've somehow failed. But in the quiet, when I'm alone with God, do you know what he says? He says, Kathy, my love for you is not based on performance. It's not based on anything you do or don't do. I love you because I love you, period. I love you because I love you. He says this of all his children. He says this of you. Anyone who's been to a dunamis event or is familiar with PRMI, which is the Presbyterian Reform Ministries International, has probably heard the name Brad Long. Brad Long wrote a book called Passage Through the Wilderness, A Journey of the Soul. In it, he says of the wilderness, the first thing he, meaning God, puts to death is our false ideals about ourself, him, and our relationship with him. He goes on to add, Jesus Christ in the wilderness will destroy our illusions so that we may truly know ourselves and him. These are not simply adjustments in our thinking. They amount to a personal encounter with the Lord of the universe. Meeting him destroys our illusions and blows away what is false. No doubt he would agree with Aaron's about this gift of self-understanding and understanding of God in the wilderness. It's been said there is no wilderness so isolated that the spirit is not there. There's no terrain so barren that it cannot yield the Father's gifts. We just looked at a few of them. With God, it turns out that time in the wasteland is never wasted. I just want to invite the worship team to come back up. Are you walking through the wilderness today take comfort in these words from second corinthians verse 4 sorry second corinthians 4 verses 8 and 9 it says we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned struck down, but not destroyed. And remember what we read earlier, what the Lord says to the Israelites, through the prophet Isaiah, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Our God is making everything new. Jesus is coming again and will restore things to their original design. And church, because of that, we can walk into this new year with confidence. Our God, Waymaker, is making a way in the wilderness. And the new things he's doing Are already in the works do you not perceive it would you pray with me oh god you are so good and we are so grateful we are so grateful that you sent jesus to this earth we are so grateful that in these hard times in these desert times When we feel dry, when we might be doubting that Lord, we can have the confidence of knowing that you are doing a new thing and it has already begun. Father, I pray, I pray for the people here in this church. I pray for myself that you would continue this good work in us, that we would grow in confidence, that we'd grow in faith and that we would learn to trust you more. Thank you, Lord.